You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. This morning, I want to share a message with you from the book of Mark and chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, and we're going to read verses 17 to 22. So go ahead and start turning there. If you've got a smart device, you can always use a browser and type in Mark 10 colon 17 to 22, and it will pop up right away. And if you're tuning in for the first time, get ready to understand what the culture of Live City Church is like. We as a church love to be able to interact with the message. And even though I may not be able to respond today, our church will respond to you. So when you hear something and you feel resonates with your spirit, make sure that you're you're chatting there and letting us know what's going on. Or maybe you could quote some of the words that are being spoken today so that others respond to that as well. So make sure, come alive, And let's interact together and read Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 22. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Verse 20, teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come follow me at this the man's face fell he went away sad because he had great wealth i did a bit of digging around and because if if you read the different versions it doesn't say rich young ruler but where we get this idea and it paints a picture of what this man was like, is that if you read the book of Matthew, it'll tell you he's rich. The book of Mark will tell you that he was young. And the book of Luke will tell you that he was a ruler. So we have this picture of who this guy is. And his question sounds uh, so good. I mean, what a great question to ask Jesus. I I wonder what would it be like for you if you had an opportunity to go and see Jesus and just ask him one question. What would your question be? And so his, I think, was an outstanding one. And he calls Jesus before he asks the question, good, good teacher and look how Jesus catches him now apparently the commentators tell us that this was a common kind of question that anyone religious would ask and you would try to uh, make the guy the teacher feel pretty good by saying hey good teacher good rabbi so he's trying to pay him some form of respect but it was something that was often done for other rabbis as well for anyone interested in listening to that rabbi and Jesus catches him out and he makes his reply he says no one is good did you catch that no one is good what 
not even Jesus? Because Jesus is including himself in that by making that statement. He says, no one is good except God alone. And because depending on how you saw Jesus, some saw him just as a man, some saw him as a prophet, some saw him as a rabbi, a really good teacher. And so Jesus wasn't excluding himself at this point. He's saying, everyone, no one is good. Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, you ain't good at all because no one is good. It's referring to everyone. What I like about Jesus saying this is that Jesus could identify with the sins of humanity. He knew that no one is good. He knew that no one is perfect because he is God come down 100% as a man. And so he was able to feel the same feelings that we had, the feelings of betrayal, the feelings of rejection, the feelings of temptation that we had. All these things Jesus was able to experience and he was very able to say, no one is good. Jesus was quoting scripture when he said no one is good except God alone because it's all throughout the scripture and it declares that God is good. Now I want you to understand this. God is good and to be good then is to be like God but no one is good. Romans 3.23 tells us for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so Jesus begins to talk to this man about the basic kind of answer that he was probably expecting. And Jesus names six out of ten commandments. I don't know if you picked up on that. Six out of ten commandments. Now, if you'll notice, four of the ten commandments, the first ones, have to do with man's relationship with God. Whereas the other six, the ones that Jesus mentioned, is man's relationship to man and how we treat other people. Now, some commentators also tell you this, that he did not need to mention the first four because all Jews, all you know, Bible-believing, God-fearing Jews would understand the first four intimately, and they would know that. So Jesus highlighted these areas and saying, if you want to get to heaven, if you're really that desperate hungry, follow these ones. And it's interesting how this rich young ruler Response. He says, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And it would stand to reason that he's actually telling the truth. He was keeping these things because how else would the man become a ruler of a synagogue? If you're wondering, rich young ruler, what he, was he ruler of? He was a, a ruler of a local place of worship. So the Jewish people had the temple in Jerusalem and everyone would come at least once a year for the feast of Passover to celebrate together from all the towns all across Israel. But for local uh, fellowship and worship, they would go to the synagogue. And they would appoint someone, one of the elders of that synagogue. So keep that in mind now. He's a young man, and yet he is considered as an elder, and not just any elder. The elders chose among themselves one person to be the, care, the, the carekeeper of that synagogue. This was the guy entrusted with the general care, maintenance, and upkeep of the church. But it was also the one who would choose who would minister that morning, who would be given the scrolls to read from and talk from. So this man had considerable influence, which also tells you that he understood the word of God. 
So when he's saying uh, all these things I followed since I was young, since I was a boy, he literally means this. He would have come under scrutiny to be chosen as a ruler of a synagogue. But Jesus highlighted an area of this young man's life that had not been touched on by other religious men. And here's what Jesus understood. His wealth had become a snare for this young man. And it kept him from carrying out what Jesus was describing, you'll find in his other messages, as true religion. True religion is to look after orphans and widows, or in this case, to look after the poor. Perhaps his spiritual mentors didn't point this out because they were beneficiaries of his wealth. And perhaps they didn't point this out because they enjoyed his favor, a rich guy, a favor of this rich young man. The Bible goes on to say that Jesus' response when he said, I, all these things I followed since I was a boy, sure you did. Look at what it says here. It's, I find this so important and so powerful. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. What a powerful word. Why is this powerful? I'll tell you why. <laughs> I love this. It's telling you that despite this young man's sin, and despite all his accomplishments and everything he's ever done, he still failed, and yet Jesus loved him right where he was. I want to tell you today, perhaps right now you've got this hidden sin that you've been keeping away from everyone else. Maybe your wife knows, maybe your husband knows, maybe your brother or sister knows, but you've been hiding this thing from everyone else and no one knows, but God knows. And perhaps you've tried really hard to live a good life and it just feels like you go from failure to failure. You want to be able to stand up oh, and give your testimony, oh, God's been so good. And the next minute you fail again. But here's how God looks at you. The Bible says Jesus looks at you and loves you just where you're at and all that sin without any change before change has happened. I find this so encouraging because I fail in my walk. You know, I, I tell the story because it's so recent. I remember only just last year and I'm, I'm driving in my car and I love to worship God in my car. I, I, I pray in my car. I'm singing worship songs in my car. I listen to podcasts. I'm praying in tongues in my car and then the Holy Spirit will come. And this one time I was just saying, God, I love you. Father, I just love you so much. And then came the unexpected question where the Holy Spirit says, do you, do you really love me? And I hate those kind of questions from the Holy Spirit because it, the answer is already there when he asks it. He's not really looking for an answer because he knows already. And so it's a piercing response when God says, do you really love me? And then all of a sudden, the Lord began questioning me. Do you remember that time? This only happened the week earlier. I was going to my daughter's dance. This is my Talia. And she had just been dancing on point in ballet. She does different dancing styles. This is one of them, ballet, dancing on point. And my wife says, you got to come. you got to see her dance. And I thought, yeah, absolutely. I want to see my daughter dance. And she was good. Like, she's really good. By the way, she hates ballet. And she's finally quit. We let her 
quit after this final level. And but she got honors. I mean, she's that good. And I watched her. She danced. And she's so amazing with it. But I struggled to go because as I'm looking around, there are these girls. I don't know if you've been to dance. Don't go, gentlemen. They're, they're scantily clad. I mean, it's it's bad. So I finally leaned over to my wife and said, honey, I... I, I I've seen all the dances. I love seeing Talia dance. She's so amazing. But it's all these, the, the, the so scantily clad here. You know, is it okay if I, she says, go. It's okay. She goes, other, other men leave as well at this point. So I thought, great. So I, I made my way to the back and I'm at the back door and there's no one there. There's no ushers. And I'm trying to figure out what do I do here? Do I, do I just go out during the music when it's on the performance or do I have to wait in between performances? But I'm looking at the time thinking, I just want to go. I've and I've been so patient. I've been here the whole time. I'm going to go. And so I opened the door quietly. And no more than a hair's crack, I hear the devil's voice on the other side. How dare you open that door? Don't you know that you could mess up those dancers up there that have been practicing all year for this final season? And there you are opening the door as I'm walking through the door. That It was the voice of the usher from the other side. And this great man of God that I am, a senior pastor of Live City Church, with all the wisdom God has given me, I turned to that woman and I replied, Well, I was leaving anyway, and I'm not coming back. Yes, I wasn't proud of myself, and I stormed out of there. And I went to my door. I'm not turning around. I got in that car and I'm driving off. And I'm listening to the Holy Spirit saying, Did you know what you just did there? Did you know what you did? I'm not going to hear you, God. No, no, I don't want to hear this. I'm not going to do this. And the Lord is reminding me. So I'm saying, I love you, Lord. I love you, God. And he says to me, Love is patient. 1 Corinthians 13. What Love is patient. Were you patient, Paul? Looking at your time. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Love is kind. How did you answer her? Were you kind? And by now, I'm just sobbing in my car. You know, it's that or it was the, the temperature or the air. Maybe it was air conditioned, but I'm just crying in my car. Oh, God, I know that I love you. I do. But you weren't, you didn't, we weren't patient. You weren't kind. And I'm dry. I had to pull over the side of the road. Lord, I'm so sorry. I began to repent. I realized, uh, thank you for loving me. We, he loves us, but we don't have the capacity to love him the way he loves us. He loves us and he accepts us just as we are. And what I see from this is that Jesus is looking for perfection from you. If you think that you have to be perfect before God loves you, you're never going to get there. You just can't be. It's impossible. And so just as you are, God's saying, I love you. I love you completely and totally. That other stuff, that junk in your life that you're doing right now, I'll, we can deal with that. We'll go on a journey and you can deal with it one by one. But do you love me? And I feel this is the question that God's really wanting to ask of us. Do you love him? But I wonder, did this young man understand who he was coming to when he came to Jesus? Was he seeing Jesus as the man, Jesus as the prophet, Jesus as the teacher, or Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God? Was a young man looking for affirmation? 
Did he understand that Jesus was the Son of God? Jesus is the Son of God. See, some people come for the Savior. And I know this. When they come to church, they come for the Savior. They want to get saved. Some people come for the miracle worker. We see miracles and healings in our church. Incredible stuff that God does. Some people come for the good teacher. They love the good teaching in church. This church is fantastic at teaching. But few come to sacrifice Few come to obey the word of the living God. They want to hear it. They love to hear it. The Bible says, you know, don't just hear the word of God and so deceive yourselves. Do it. Obey it. In other words, the Bible is saying you can hear the word of God, but you can actually fall into deception if you don't do what it says. And this man has been exposed to the most wondrous teaching. He's been exposed to the word of God. And yet he failed to follow through with, with that word. And this is why I believe he understood there was this gaping hole in his heart. I mean, here's a guy saying, I've done all the things that the Bible requires of me. I understand that the Ten Commandments, everything else, I follow these things. I wouldn't be a ruler now if I hadn't followed these things. So I know these things. And yet, despite being a ruler, the head of this synagogue, despite knowing all these laws and these rules, despite being able to follow the Ten Commandments, good on you. He still failed God like every one of us does. You see, Jesus requires a lifestyle of sacrifice if you want to follow him. Some of you just want the miracles. Some of you, yes, you just want the teaching. Some of you, I don't come for the, I've heard this before. I don't come for the worship pastor. I come for your preaching, which is meant to make me feel good and inflate me a little bit. But I'm actually, I'm actually a bit heartbroken when people say that. Because what you're basically saying is, I, I come to church for what I can get out of it. Because worship will require something from you. Where you are saying and declaring to this God, this God of all creation, the master of the universe, saying, I love you. I love that you're the captain of my life. I gladly give everything over to you. That worship time is so precious to the Lord. The Bible tells us, take up your cross daily. That is an act of sacrifice because you have to give up you have to be ready to give everything to God. See, we, we can't understand that word cross. Take up your cross daily. It sounds so wonderful and so classical. I mean, we like to wear the crucifixes around our, our, our us on a chain, you know, because they're so precious. You might even have a crucifix ring. I don't know. Crucifix earrings. But we've lost the meaning or the understanding of what the cross is. Maybe we need to make it more relatable to us today. Unless you take up your electric chair and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Unless you're ready to take that lethal injection, you cannot follow me and be my disciple. Because we must be ready to kill that man inside of us, that old man that wants to keep rising up. Jesus makes these commands. He says, love your enemies. Let me tell you, that takes sacrifice. Some of you guys, you hate people in the church. In fact, you are, you are offended by them and you carry this offense and you think it's okay. The Bible calls it unforgiveness. And Jesus said, if you can't forgive other men their sins, their offenses against you, the Father can't forgive you. It takes sacrifice to be able to let it go. I know. I understand. You are dying to yourself. It literally feels like you're dying when you got to forgive your enemy because that's what it is. 
You're taking up your cross daily. This young man was rich. Think about this for a moment. This guy, if he was alive today, is a millennial. 30 years old, probably. He was rich. He could be anywhere between the ages of 24 and 40, so the commentators tell us. So this guy could be a millennial. And there he is, you know, with his chic outfit and all that. You know, he's got his Gucci shoes on. He's got his fine-looking bling going on there. You know, this man is good. He's made it. He's paid his dues. And he's a very astute businessman. That's why he's rich today. He's got money that he can give out. Some commentators say he had enough money to keep people, the whole town that he was in, uh, without having to work for 10 years. That's how much money he had. I don't know. I can't substantiate that. That's what the commentators say. This guy, the point was, was rich. A rich guy. And he was young at this age. Imagine what it takes to be so accomplished. So it's not that he didn't know how to sacrifice, but I believe he only knew how to sacrifice for himself. And I think we're really good at that. In a short amount of time, he made something of himself. But the young man was not willing to deny himself to be saved. Now think about this for a moment. It's like going to McDonald's. You know, and you drive up. We got a local one right here. I live in Springfield Lakes. I just go up there, you know, get out. Let's go inside the store. Hmm, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll go for the Big Mac uh, value meal. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really great. Yeah, upgrade. You know what? I'll get another fries. Two fries. Yeah, two fries, please. So I'll get the Big Mac value meal. Two fries. Going to get, uh, let's get a quarter pounder to go with that. And uh, an apple pie. And with soft serve, oh, and a Diet Coke. I know you do that. And a Diet Coke. And then when it comes time, ching, 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 ching. Okay, sir, that'll be $50. Uh, well, I, I, I just want the food. I, I don't want to pay for it. I just want the food. <laughs> Can you see how ludicrous that is? And, and you know how the situation will play out. Next, you know, they'll just throw you out the door. You can't get the, that food and not pay for it. In the same way, you can't bargain with God. You don't get to choose what you prefer to obey out of the laws of God. Oh, well, you know, brother, I'm, I'm under the New Testament. I'm, not, I'm under grace, not under law. Don't you understand what grace is like? Jesus says, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill them. He says you, in the same chapter, you've heard it said, thou shalt not murder, right? He says, I say to you, grace, if you, even, if you hate a brother, you are guilty of the fires of hell. It's harder under grace. He says further, he says, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. I say to you, if you even think of a woman with lust in your eyes, you've already committed adultery. Grace. So there's these things we still are required to follow by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we can live a righteous lifestyle, but hey, we still sin. Why do you think Jesus taught us the prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name at the end of the prayer and forgive us our trespasses because you're going to trespass. And Jesus knew that. So he said, Whenever you, when, when you pray, pray like this. Do you know what the Bible says about how often you should pray? It says, without ceasing continually so whenever you're praying you're actually praying a prayer of repentance because jesus knows you're gonna sin go ahead and just tap that person on the shoulder next to you and say jesus knows you're gonna sin but it's okay it's okay he knew you were going to and he's found a way out for you 
Praise the Lord. I think that's so awesome. What the man couldn't understand was that being a disciple, to be a disciple of Jesus requires sacrifice. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, this is how Jesus said it. If anyone desires to come after me, that's me, Lord. I want to follow you. He says, okay, let him deny himself. Okay, that's number one. But, you know, I'm, I'm sort of hungry, Lord. I, you know, I'll, I'll follow you after I have a good meal. No, deny yourself. Take up your cross. Take up your electric chair. Take up your lethal dose and follow me. Look at this. Take up your cross daily and follow me. You can see that in Luke 9, 23. Every single day, we are supposed to present our bodies as living sacrifices unto the Lord, holy and pleasing to him. And yet we struggle with these things. Jesus wasn't requiring any more of the rich man than he was of the others. You notice that when he said, you know, if you want to follow me, give, sell everything you have and give your wealth to the poor. Have a look at the passage. It says, and you will have treasure in heaven. He was not saying that you must sell everything, give it to the poor in order to get into heaven, which is sometimes how we see that passage. He didn't say that. He says, give it away and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. The young man had no problem following the Ten Commandments. Relationship with God, relationship with people. He worked hard to achieve much. He built up his wealth. He built up his reputation. He achieved a position of power, becoming the ruler of a synagogue, and yet he was lost. Your wealth can steal your heart away from God. You don't have to be rich to understand the same struggle that the rich young ruler had when he was in front of Jesus. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. I know right away when you're reading that, you sort of felt what he was feeling and yet you're not that rich. Well, compared to people in third world countries, you are rich. We don't consider ourselves rich. You are rich. We struggle with these things. Consider your generosity to God. How generous are you to him? Consider your generosity to the poor. Do you pay your tithes? Do you give your offering? Do you give money away to poor people? Now go through your credit card statement and have a look at how much you spoil yourself with fast food, with restaurants, with holidays, with movies, with entertainment. Shall I keep going? And yet you'll come and say, oh, pastor, I really struggle. I don't have enough money for myself to give to the Lord, you know. I get it. And church isn't about giving money. I, I really need you to understand this. This is about the heart of a man. That's why the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you're struggling with tithes, the tithe, which is 10% of your income, to give to the Lord. If you're not generous with the poor, I want to tell you this, and I know it's a bit of a shake. Okay, it's my job. My job is to challenge you with these things. If you're struggling with these areas, Jesus is not Lord over your life. He's Savior, but he's not yet Lord over your life. The battle for lordship has not yet been won. You haven't surrendered lordship yet to Jesus, and that's why you're struggling to give. If he truly is the Lord of your life, this wouldn't be an issue. This young man, if he understood who he was standing in front of, this is God incarnate. I mean, think about it. Uh, you know, I talk to my kids sometimes. If you go and travel in time anywhere, Dad, where would you go? And they said, oh, we know. You want to go see Jesus? Yes. 
I want to see Jesus, God in the flesh, to be able to have a conversation with him. And yet you pray for and ask for miracles from him. You attend a connect group. You attend prayer group. You even read your Bible. When it comes to giving and sacrifice, you withhold. I think we can all relate to the rich young ruler. We read the story and we instantly dismiss him. And we dismiss our connection with that man. We ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. This is an abhorred response from this young man we declare in our mind. And yet we do the same thing over and over and over. This young man rejected Jesus' offer of eternal life, damning himself with his wealth. Yet can I ask you, are you regularly sacrificing to God? The Bible in the story then goes on to say, the young man walked away sad. I can't imagine a more sober ending to the opportunity of a lifetime. He could have been one of Jesus' greatest disciples. Think about this. This guy is so smart. He's so talented, so able to manage, so able to have vision and to make things happen. That's why he's rich. Imagine what God could have done with a disciple like this. He could have enjoyed eternal life, but he lost it all. And today, that man probably is in hell. How is your lifestyle of sacrifice going? I want to ask you this question. It's just, it's not to do with your finances, okay? I want you to get this right. It's every area of your life. The rich young man could have done much with his wealth. But he chose to do what little he needed to do to try to assuage his conscience, which kept informing him, hey, you are short of the kingdom. Hey, you don't have eternal life. Hey, you're going to a lifetime of hell. Something isn't right. And he knew it wasn't right. That's why he made his way with great effort to go and see Jesus. Why else would he ask this question? A ruler of a synagogue, a man of respect, a champion of the faith. But Jesus had no reputation to lose. He was not swayed by the lure of wealth. He did not need this guy's fame. He did not need to be connected to this guy. He told him the way it was. He told him the truth. He told the young man exactly what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. The question is, how are you doing? How are you doing? The greatest shock is that many of us one day, we think salvation, yes, it begins with a prayer. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died and was raised again. But we are meant to be people who are transformative. We, as followers of Jesus, we transform the situations and the circumstances around us. We bring heaven to earth. Your hell is, you're meant to turn your hell into heaven by the power of God. And yet I see Christians struggling so much. And this is the great gospel story that we have contained in the scripture. That, that hell that you're going through right now, Jesus can turn it around. The struggles that you're having, the losses in your life, it wasn't something God wanted for you. But the Bible tells us that he has a plan and has a purpose for your life. And he wants, and he wants to give you life. And he wants to give you life to the full. This morning, if you know that your heart isn't right with God, you might be going to church regularly. You might, be, you might be reading your Bible. You might be praying, but you deny God in certain areas of your life. I want you to say this prayer with me. You know who you are. 
Perhaps today you find yourself, this is the first time you've heard the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You might have gone to church before, but you've never yet made that personal commitment to Jesus. I want to give you that chance right now in this moment. If you would say this prayer with me, just repeat it out loud right where you are in that room. In fact, I want to challenge you. If there's other people in your room, you say it out loud because they probably need to say this prayer as well. So would you repeat this prayer after me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I could not live up to your standard. You call that sin. And there is a penalty for that sin. And that penalty is death. But you left heaven and you came to earth to die in my place on that horrible cross, removing all my sins. So I'm asking you today, Jesus, forgive me. Remove my guilt and give me a clean heart. I ask right now that you fill me with your spirit. You died for me and now I want to live for you. If you said that prayer, say amen. And I want to hear from you. If you said that prayer, can you write to me? It's a simple email address. Yes, at livecitychurch.com. Tell me your story. I'll keep it confidential and private. It's just between you, God, and me. But I want to hear from you. I want to know that this gospel message is touching lives. Tell us your testimonies. Tell us your stories. We would love to hear from you. And thank you again for tuning in. God bless you. Have a fantastic week. Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Life City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.